Welcome to the Gospel According to Star Trek podcast. I'm Kevin C. Nice. And I'm Tim Van Orden, and this is episode 11, Far Beyond the Scars. We'll be starting off with some Star Trek news and then discussing Discovery Season 3, Episode 3, People of Earth. And then we'll discuss our audience question right after our main story, Far Beyond the Scars, which is discussing the concept of neighbor love in the original series episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, and the Deep Space Nine episode, Far Beyond the Stars. Hope you enjoy it. Well, that was a really good intro that we totally haven't recorded yet. <laughs> we'll fix it in no, post. That we, that we totally recorded, that is yes, completely that we... done because we know exactly what we're doing this episode. Wink, wink. Wink, 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 nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, say no more know what i mean hi how are you i'm doing good how about yourself i'm doing okay it's i find it's impossible to do the nudge nudge wink wink, wink without the accent um, what accent so the nudge nudge wink wink say no more say no more you know i have no idea oh. what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about monty python no. nudge nudge no. wink wink i mean i know monty python i well you don't know it that well if you don't know nudge nudge wink wink i, I you know i'm mostly a film guy oh uh, okay 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 i understand i understand how are you sir um about as well as I was when you asked a couple of minutes ago. The audience at home doesn't know I asked a couple. No, minutes I mean ago. in the Tell recording. How you are in the recording? You just asked. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, you'll hear it when you go back and edit this. Oh, I'm on fire tonight. We're doing all great. right. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. Did you remember to record? I am recording. I've been rolling for like an okay. hour since we've been talking. Me too. So um, good, awesome. So hey. Um, yeah, you do I, to 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 end the nightmare of this of this uh, spastic, whatever this is. Do you right. have any Star Trek news for us, Tim? <laughs> um, I do have a little bit of news. It's not like new news sort of a thing. There's okay. just a, a really good review over on TrekMovie.com of um, who is the author uh, Una McCormick's the autobiography of Catherine Janeway. Oh, cool. Uh, it, sounds, right. it sounds really good, and I'm actually looking forward to reading the book now, having read the review. I'm going to have to add that to my list. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's worth checking out if someone wants to go check out that's, a review about the book. That's cool. Well, that, that fills what is apparently becoming our quota of having at least, right. at least one uh, Janeway news item per episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look at that. And in other news, in season four, she changed her hair. Um, <laughs> right. Because everybody changes their hair in a new season. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're Chicago. Well, she couldn't grow a beard. Yeah, well, there you go. Right. <laughs> she could have. Who knows? Um, but hey, well, that's cool. All right. Well, I was going to share also something um, that was kind of interesting. And we're a bit, we're, I'm, I apologize. We're actually a little bit late on this. And the listener who sent this in, uh, Becky, is actually uh, an old friend of of well of mine of ours of the of i want to say of the show but the show wasn't around that's how that's how far back she goes she was supporting back when we were the undiscovered country project and i was a blogger and all we were doing stuff. the, the uh, audio commentaries the audio comment before the audio commentaries oh wow it was just a blog sir so becky skipper hey hi if you watch some of the old uh spocktoberfest videos on on our youtube channel there one of them has her as a guest on it so she's tos she's tos <laughs> She's TOS. And, uh, and so she sent me this thing um, and I wanted to check it out before I brought it on the air and I, I forgot about it, but it's uh, it's called, it's a Star Trek Bible study. And Tim, you may oh. remember, you know, when we were first getting together to record our audio commentaries, uh -huh. uh, your wife, Beth, used to call it Star Trek Bible study. 
No, I called it that. Oh, you called it that? Yeah. I thought it was her idea. She called it that because I called it that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're the trendsetter. Yes. Get it it straight. All right, all right. Or STVS, even though we were not studying Bibles. So that was a little bit like talking about the Bible some, but like we're not. And I just called it that because I needed something easy to put in my Google calendar. So I just Ah, went STVS. STVS. There you go. It works. Well, anyway, there is an STVS, a Star Trek Bible study. Right. It's online. Uh, There's Zoom meetings, and uh, it's let's see, uh, fellow Trekkies Josh and Jillian. Uh, I guess they have names. I guess they have last names. I, <laughs> I saw last names in here, but anyway, Josh and Jillian. Um, they are being. They're watching on the last Monday of October, November, and December. So we've missed it for October. It was on the 26th, but the last Monday of November and the last number of De- Monday of November. They're watching and discussing episodes of Deep, Deep Space Nine and cross-referencing with passage of scripture in their own life experience. You can email them for more info at star-trek-bible-study at googlegroups.com and we'll put that down in the, in the doobly-doo. And um, there you go. Very and, cool. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool that somebody's doing that. I don't have to get in touch with those people. Definitely. Say yeah. Hi. Tell and give them a cease and desist that this is your Ballywick. <laughs> hardly, hardly. <laughs> I love finding other people. In fact, I recently followed somebody on Twitter and I haven't listened to it yet, but it's a podcast called The Inner Light. Oh, the, the Inner Light Project. The Inner Light okay. Project. I like, you know, because I was the Undiscovered Country Project, so it's my uh-huh. project thing. But they're, uh-huh. uh, uh, they're run by a, a Star Trek nerd and his friends. Oh, whoops, I hit the mic. Uh, it's, they're run by a Star Trek nerd and his friends and uh they cover all kinds of pop culture but they're kind of rooted in star trek point of view so very cool pretty cool yeah i'm, I'm excited there's those, dozens of us there's lots of there's there are all kinds of cool people out there in the christian nerd world but we're the best so you don't have to go listen no, i'm just kidding yeah that's um, true yeah no we're not but anyway. we'll be we'll be highly insulted if you go i'll <laughs> be highly insulted i'll be very happy that's awesome so anyway cool that's um that's that and um and uh, oh and also also some of you may know larry nemechek uh larry nemechek is a name that tim and i know from from years ago he used to write um, the star trek companions and things and uh he i know him now because i helped him with a project of his and he helped me with mine because he gave me a really nice endorsement for my book <laughs> that was a very good endorsement that yeah. was a great endorsement i i i had to sh- we had to cut it down to put it on the book but i but i put the longer one on the website so it was <laughs> nice. just so nice he wrote me this little paragraph i'm like dude you're awesome so anyway he has a thing called portal 47 you know he's dr trek he's the trek historian and and just all around nerd and great great human being i love him um he they are having the portal 47 annual open house it is on Wednesday, November 11th, so uh, at 7 p.m. It was originally scheduled for October 28th. It had to be postponed because of scheduling conflicts, and you can find more at LarryNemechek.com slash open house. I will put that down in the uh, link below. Uh, check that out because Portal 47 is awesome, and Larry is awesome, and if you're a nerd, you'll have fun. So there you go. That's our Star Trek news. All right. Good job. ba 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 <laughs> fantastic um you know what else is new um the mandalorian (laughs) well that's true (laughs) but that's that's not relevant to this podcast 
Although that series does look really cool. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, I've watched a lot of it. Of course yeah. you have. Star Wars nerd that you are. Um, wow. Star Trek and Star Wars can both coexist. They can. They really do. I mean, I mean, I, I had both hanging up in my room when I was when I was younger. Along with Firefly and Battlestar Galactica, yes. it's all one. Yes. Goodness. So, anyways, we're talking yeah. about Star Trek. We're talking about Star Trek. <laughs> um, what is new is People of Earth. I don't know. They, I think they've been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> I was waiting not not it. some of my better work, but you know, hey, even the I was I made a really bad pun earlier today. I learned I learned most of my pun humor from my dad, and I made this really bad pun. I said, "Well, you got to go for them, even if they're bad. You got to try." This is true because if you leave them, if you don't, if you don't go for it, you gotta you're gonna miss it. So I saw a, a shirt design, or maybe it was an internet comic. I can't remember, but it was basically someone shouting about, um, uh, "Intend your puns, damn it." <laughs> Intend Enough with you. this no pun intended. Intend uh, your puns. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Okay, so let's intend our, our episode discussion. <laughs> Shall Discovery, we get around to that? Discovery, season three, episode three. Uh, what do you think? How'd you like it? It was good. I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't an episode... Like the first two episodes were really yep. impactful, right? They were meaningful and, and they were a good start to the season. The third episode, it was solid. It wasn't anything um, earth shattering for me. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. See, see what I did there? Yeah, I see that. I was, earth, I was, earth shattering. I was going to come around to that, but okay. <laughs> you got there first. That's all right. Um, yeah, well, that's interesting that you say that because I mean, I, I'm just saying it, it was good. I'm not saying yeah. it was bad or no, anything. No, I know you weren't saying it's bad. But I, uh, compared to the the first two episodes, it wasn't as epic. Epic's not the right word, I guess. Just the first two episodes felt really profound to me, and this one was very good. I mm -hmm. again, nothing against it. It's a very classic Federation moment there with the um, the two got two groups that they bring to the table when and enjoy yeah the the earthers and the the raiders mm -hmm. uh very classic federation movement and i really like that and mm -hmm. it's going to be they're setting up for some interesting character work with burnham mm -hmm. um and the relationship with saru but it just the episode itself wasn't quite as profound did, i guess it didn't, didn't I mean, grab you emotionally as much as the first two, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, I found it at least as emotionally compelling, if not more so. I finished this episode and I was, I was just, I was overwhelmed. Like I was just like, I, I, I cried through half the episode. I thought it was so. I don't know half the episode, but several times in the episode, a couple times at least. <laughs> and of course, you know, I do that a lot. Yeah. Apparently, you are uh, a weepy man. I do. I am. I'm proud of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I just, I'm, I'm loving this season, the more it goes on and, but yeah, I watched it. And then I watched um, uh, the ready room episode for it. And boy, I just, I just felt full. I just, my heart was full. I was just like, this is, uh, this is everything. And it, it again just sort of reverberated, no, 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 reverberated in my head with the reiteration um, that you know this is just excellent Star Trek. That that I, I just 
mm-hmm. that Discovery is doing. And Will Wheaton is such a great host of The Ready Room. If you're not watching The Ready Room, you should watch it. He is such a gushy nerd. Um, <laughs> and he loves Discovery. Discovery is like his favorite since like TNG TOS. Um, and, and his feelings about the series and about how, you know, this is, this is what Star Trek is meant to be. This is what Star Trek is, this is what it's here for. Mm-hmm. That's so much of how I feel about discovery, how I felt for a long yeah. time. I still get, I still get so angry on the internet, which, you know, it's the internet. I just, when, when I see people angry? complaining about discovery, not being proper Star Trek and mm-hmm. all grim dark and, and everything and ruining Star Trek and jeans rolling over in his grave, I just get so angry. I just don't, I, I don't respond because I don't want to en- engage that, but it's, it's still really frustrating. And I think that kind of eats at me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know it shouldn't. I need to just let it go. Yeah. I, I think you should too. <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I don't, I don't pay much attention to what fans are saying, like in the fan community that much mm-hmm. because it so quickly devolves into that. Yeah. And um, I will talk with other fans who like you and, and, and friends of mine and stuff who I know are enjoying the series. And, and um, I, I like to delight in Star Trek. I'll pick it apart when mm-hmm. I need to, when I feel it's warranted, but I don't know. Some of the stuff that's going on right now, I'm, I'm yeah. just not, I just can't get caught up in it. I just, I think it's just the internet. I don't think it's reality. That's fair. But yeah. So there was so, a lot to like in this episode. A lot. Yeah. You were, well, you, you started talking about the, that reconciliation scene between uh, Wen and Ndoye. Uh, Wen being the, the Raider guy and Ndoye being the captain of Earth Defense. Okay. Uh, both actors I loved immediately when I saw them. Mm-hmm. And Heyerdahl, Chris Heyerdahl, the guy who plays uh, Wen, I know that name. When I heard the name, I was like, oh, I should know him, but I, I can't think of where I know him from at all. I, I neglected to look him up. Um, the actor who looked him, really familiar. He, uh, yeah, yeah. He, I'm sure we'd know him. Um, the actor who plays Ndoye, um, I've forgotten her name, but, you know, I, but she was just somebody, both of them were just like, you know, you see their faces and you see their performances and they're just sometimes an actor that you just lock into and just draws you in. And both of them were just like, oh, wow, you're cool. I want to see more of you. I don't know. I just like them both instantly. And um, okay. I thought, uh, man, I need to get the, the name of the actor who plays in Doye. Because I thought her performance was so great. It, not like not like it was like she was chewing the scenery or anything, but but there's this undercurrent in that character where she has to be all like defensive and hard nosed and hard to get along with and everything at first, but then she has to have that empathy and she has to have somebody real human underneath it. And I thought she played that that tone very well. Uh, Fumzile Satole, that's her. Fumzile Satole. Uh, and she hasn't done a ton. She was on like 16 episodes of the Orange is the New, Orange is the New Black. That's the main thing people know her from. But oh. uh, on the Ready Room, uh, Jonathan Frakes told the story that she was ready to retire after this. She was going to quit doing auditions. And, um, and being on the set and doing this episode really kind of revived her love for acting. And I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, isn't that great? That is very cool. That's awesome. And it's a credit to Jonathan, too, as a director. Um, so 
but yeah the scene the scene so let's talk about that scene between between the two of them sorry i'm getting i'm rambling i'm just getting <laughs> off on what's on my head about this scene but um let's talk about that um that moment between them uh how did you feel about the way it was played the way it, the way it worked out well we were talking about this a little bit off the air um off the air before the recording but i the first thing i thought about when uh Giorgio, uh kicked the guy and took his helmet off was like oh boy i hope he doesn't need that to breathe <laughs> i did too and the way hired all plays it a little bit you go oh no he's gonna he's, he's gonna suffocate <laughs> yeah i thought the same thing <laughs> but it was so great what was her line diplomacy is so slow <laughs> she's just like We'll just get it. Don't talk him into taking the helmet off. We're just gonna take it. And that's kind of that's kind of the role that I think Giorgio plays, mirror Giorgio plays in, mm -hmm. in this series is just to kind of every once in a while go, oh for goodness sakes, guys, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just get to it. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> great uh, great impatient motivator. But yeah, no, it was a good scene. It was it was a classic. I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode, maybe. Um, earlier in the pod, but it was a, a classic Federation mediation moment. You know, it's the mm -hmm. sort of thing that you think the the Starfleet is is there for to negotiate mm -hmm. peace between two warring factions. Right. Well, and the whole theme of like once we take our masks off, we find we're the same underneath. Mm. You know. Yeah. It, it, there's so much othering in our culture. Mm -hmm. The challenge is always to move from othering to one anothering. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many, there are all the one another's in the Bible, but the chief one is love one another, right? And, uh, and I, th I think we can't love one another until we see one another. And we can't see one another until we drop our defenses and, and, and look past each other's defenses and listen to each other and try to learn from one another. I mean, and, and, you know, just that moment of just, and I, that's what I love about Giorgio sort of, you know, uh, knocking Wynn's, Wynn's helmet off mm -hmm. is it just, it thrusts his humanity at Ndoye, you know, just, mm -hmm. just absolutely confronts her with it. And, and that it's a comical moment that she, that she kicks his leg and knocks his helmet off. Right. But it's such a great reveal um, to come down off that laugh to your human. And what's great about it too, is you've got a black woman and a white man and what they see is each other's humanity. So like there, I mean, he's got a literal physical mask on his head. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when he takes his mask off, what he's got, what they've got looking at each other in the 32nd century are things that we see in one another. And we, some people might shrink away from they might immediately begin to make judgments about that other person because they're that race, because they're that gender, mm -hmm. but they don't do that at all. It's just, Oh, you're human. Oh, you're and, like me. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a really beautiful thing to see and to think about that. Um, and I hope it's a sooner coming day. Um, but that there is a day when we can look at each other and not see, those metaphorical masks, but see our, but see our sameness, see, see ourselves as like one another. Mm -hmm. um, it was just like a, like a little, you know, subtext of let that be your last battlefield in there. But um, 
I love that. And I loved, and I loved that we did the thing where we, we just put them face to face and, and talked and just forced them yeah. to talk. And what a difference that makes just a little bit of talking, just a little bit of telling your story and just a little bit of listening to the other person's story. Mm-hmm. What a difference that makes. And I, it strikes me, uh, there's a moment there that makes that it, it, it's like how, like I know people, okay, this is really, I'm trying to figure out how to, to start this off and still make it relate but it's like i know people who are a certain political affiliation or another right Mm -hmm. and um the other affiliation assumes that one side is just a certain way but yet you can put like i know people of this one uh, affiliation that you put someone of a different affiliation next door to them and they'll give them the shirt off their back yeah absolutely so it there's it just reminds me of that sense of i don't i don't know how i'm trying to say it proximity immediacy yeah and 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 that if we just would extend that to the people that we don't like our enemies and and see them as our neighbor Mm -hmm. i think that love that inherent divine spark within us would take over you know, and we would give them the shirt off our backs. Yeah. And I mean, even just the phrase shirt off your back. I mean, that's, we have that in our vocabulary because of Jesus. Right. You know, and, 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 and it's so true though. And it's so, it's so right. You know, that when Jesus says to love your enemy, I mean, what he's really saying is make a neighbor of your enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, when he tells the story of the good Samaritan, He's, he's telling the story to somebody where he says, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you know, the, the whole of the law and the gospel, the, the law and the prophets is on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else depends on these two. And then some guy raises his hand and is like, okay, so who is my neighbor? And it's like the kid who wants to know, like, what's the minimum we have mm-hmm. to get in order to pass this test? Right. <laughs> what's the lowest grade? What is the stuff we need to know so that we're sure to pass the test so that I can study just enough to get to get by and get on yep. the next thing, right? And, and Jesus then tells the story of the Good Samaritan. It's important to have that context because the person asks, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and, you know, the, 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 the man is beaten and left for dead, which I'm speaking to a bunch of Jews. You probably assume he's a Jewish man uh, beaten, beaten and left for dead. And then all these, you know, uh, high, uh, high priestly Jews, the Levite and the priest and all these uh, teacher of the law, they, they, they walk by. And then it's the Samaritan who takes, who takes the guy to the end and all that. And the Samaritans are the enemies of the Jewish people. I mean, there's no, there's nobody they hate more. And at the end of the story, it's who was a neighbor to the man who was beaten and left for dead. Mm-hmm. And you have to say it's the Samaritan. And it's, and so his answer to the question is not, it's like, no, 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 You don't have, you don't look for the definition of who your neighbor is. You make a neighbor out of everybody, you know, because, because they could be your neighbor. You know, you be a neighbor by how you act, right? You choose to be the neighbor. And so when we love our enemies, you, yeah, you're, you're absolutely bang on. I love the way you said that, that you love them like a neighbor because they are, you start to see them as a neighbor, even though they're, they're your enemy. That's a hard thing to do, but 
But we get those points of recognition when we listen. When we truly listen, not listen waiting for a, for an opportunity to jump in and say something. Right. But listen seeking understanding. That's so important. Uh, wow, we had one scene and we did all that. Um, yeah, I think we found our main topic. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty short scene. Um, yeah, maybe. Is so. there anything else we want to geek out about? Yes, yes. Okay. Oh my goodness, Captain Saru, <laughs> dude, Captain Saru. Captain Saru is pretty cool. Oh come on, this is great. I'm a, I, on our Saru episode, we talked about it. We were like, okay, should Michael be the captain or should Saru be the mm -hmm. captain? I think we we're both leaning towards Saru as the captain. Yeah, I think I think so too. It's the right thing. It was. Um, it, it absolutely is the right thing. I think... I'm trying to decide how I felt about Michael handing it to him like that because it almost felt like she was giving it to him as if it was hers to give. Well, it almost is because at this point, she's basically in the upper echelons of what is the Federation right now. Um, but then also it was between the two of them and it was a conversation that they were going to have. And Saru was going to encourage Michael to take it and Michael was going to encourage Saru to take it. And Michael's just like, I'm not even going to ask for it. You're the man. Like, I'm not going to take that for a second, you know? Yeah. And given kind of the, the struggle with reintegrating, she's going with the rest of the episode. I kind of couldn't help but wonder if maybe it wasn't so much a, I think Saru deserves this as I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like she wasn't ready for it. So she had no qualms about get it, passing it off to someone else. That's true. I mean, she had experienced a shift, right? And, and that's where, that's what Saru kind of hones in on. I mean, it's very sweet. And everything she says is true about mm -hmm. Saru. She's yeah. not wrong. And I know she believes all those things. It's right. always been you. I mean, absolutely. Of course, it's always been Saru. Um, and by the way, a minute ago, when I said, you're the man, that sounded like you are the male, therefore you should take it. That's not what I mean. I was using that in the colloquial sense. Like you are the person who <clears throat> is right for this job. So just saying, <laughs> but, but, but he is the person who's right for the job. And um, before I get off onto Michael, I want to say one quick thing. This is the first time we have had in an ongoing Star Trek series, an alien as captain of our main ship. Mm -hmm. I am so happy about yeah, that. Yeah, that was, that's really cool. Oh, and, and not a half human, right? Full on weird as heck looking and alien. yeah not even a, a human or not even an alien that just happens to have pointy ears right but like he's got full on prosthetics yeah yeah oh it's great i love it i just it warms my heart to no end i just it's like yay <laughs> so long wanted to see more alien captains in star trek and to have the main captain of the series at this point be an alien it makes me so happy and to be mm -hmm. doug jones i mean come on you can't yeah. ask for better that's that's great um but yeah getting back to michael um yeah there's something else going on with her and he notices that he, yeah, he does really that. hone in on that doesn't he mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well he's it's like we talked about last uh in the saru episode he's mm -hmm. so sensitive he's so perceptive you know he sees past people's layers and like 
sees what they're feeling and what they're thinking. Oh, it was last episode that we talked about that with him and Tilly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, he, um, and so he has that perception, he has that ability, but, and that intuition. And what's interesting about Michael in this episode is that she has spent a year away. Um, what is it that she says? Uh, I wrote it down because I'm good like that. <laughs> we have work to do. She said, well, she, it's the scene, it's the scene between the two of them, you know, where, you know, she says, and looking at the, looking at the telescope of all things, I should have told you about my plan. And Saru says, yes, you should have trust. Trust must remain an assumption between us. And she says, we have work to do. And I would be proud to do it by your side, but there are things in my year here that I let go of, and I need time to find my way back to them if I can. And Saru says, I will trust you to grow through change as you have trusted me. And then Michael says, then it would be my privilege to be your number one. But that thing that she's talking about there, there are things that have happened. There are things that I've let go of. I've moved away. You know, how can I come? You know, I, I don't I don't know if I can come back. I don't know how to come back. Uh, I don't know if I can. I I mean, it's 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 something a lot of people go through in a lot of situations. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to I don't want to centralize it uh, toward anything in particular as an intentional uh, interpretation. But the way I felt watching that scene was that I and so many other people feel so uncomfortable with Christian religion, feel so uncomfortable with churches, which is weird, like, because I've always, like, listened to Christian market music and, and read a lot of theology and, and whatever, always been interested in, 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 in Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. But religion itself and churches in particular, institutional churches in particular, have been a, a serious point of hesitancy and disconnection for me um, for a long time. And it's just in recent years that I've done any kind of reconnecting. And even at that, it's still hesitant. It still stops and starts. And I still don't know what to make of it and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm still conflicted uh, with my relationship to institutional churches. Um, but I just, I feel like that is how people approach, how people feel toward institutional churches, I, 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 how people feel when they like, they like drift away from at least the version of Christianity that they grew up with. Mm -hmm. And they're not sure if faith is still there for them. They're not sure, quite honestly, if God is still there for them. And, um, and I just, I just want to take this moment right now to say that if you relate to that, I want you to hear Saru's words again. Go back and watch that scene and listen to Saru's words because to me, Saru is speaking what God speaks to all of us. I will trust you to grow through change. In other words, you can come back in here. You can enter into a relationship with me as hesitantly as you know how. You can do it in as broken a fashion as, as you can muster. You can do it as, as feeling as distant and as dislocated and as lost as you do right now. You can do it thinking, I think I just doubt all of this. I, I, I think I just doubt all of this, you know? But 
when Jesus said, all it takes is a mustard seed of faith, sometimes that mustard seed just looks like being willing to ask the questions to God, you know? And I believe that God says that to us. I trust you to grow through change. Because I think when we feel like we've fallen away, when we feel like we can't come back, when we feel like um, we're lost and hopeless and whatever, I think we're just changing. I think we're just growing. And if we recognize um, through that growth that we're growing, something, something is growing, we're, we're, something is happening with us, that we're growing and we're changing. And if we can move through that change, God is not surprised by that change. God is not overwhelmed by that change. God is not angry or disappointed by that change. Um, God is right there with us, no matter how hard it is for us to see that. And don't associate, you know, institutions that you may be hurt by with God, because institutions are just human things that are aiming at God. Um, there are ways that we can get to God. There are ways that we can help access God. But man, just know that, know that, that God trusts you to, <laughs> to grow through change. Um, that's very important to me personally. I just, that was how I felt about that scene. That was how I felt about that moment. I feel like I'm doing all the talking, um, <laughs> but, I, but, 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 I, but I have a segue in mind, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. <laughs> See, um, you know, you, you, you do all the talking you did last episode. And I guess I just <laughs> have to make yeah, up for I, next episode. I, I, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it just, it brings to mind then the scene with the tree mm -hmm. at the old Starfleet Academy. Um, it's amazing sometimes what you find that's still there. Right where you left it, you know, um, mm -hmm. Uh, the Bible talks about the Ebenezer stone and Ebenezer stone was a stone of remembrance, right? And you might place that stone at a place at a certain place, or you might stack stones, you know, over time, a certain place, um, even to make an altar um, to commemorate, to remember because that, that stone is still in that place. Right. Um, and we can leave those markers for ourselves and we can find those markers sometimes when we're not even looking for them. And there's something in you, if you're questing and you're seeking and you're in this tailspin of where you just think everything you do is doubt, that's fine. Doubt is part of faith and doubt is part of learning. Doubt is part of being human. Don't, don't let that shake you up, right? The fact that you might be concerned about that or you might be upset about that means that there's somewhere in you, there's that Ebenezer. Somewhere in you, there's that thing that's still there, that kernel. It might be a mustard seed, but you know, Jesus said that mustard seed grows into a giant, like the, a, a big tree. Now the real mustard seed doesn't grow into a big tree, right? But the mustard seed of faith does. It grows into the biggest tree in the forest, Jesus says. And I just think of the girth of that tree, <laughs> that massive tree. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, man, it's still here. I, 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 it's still here. It's, it's even bigger and stronger than I realized the question is where, where are you rooted? Where are you grounded in what soil and at what place do you find who you are? Do you connect? I think of Tilly, you know, getting close to the bark and just like hugging that tree, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just like, ah, Hey old friend, how are you? You know, 
Mm-hmm. And, and the the comment that at some point we've all studied under this tree right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I studied under this tree. I did too, you know. Like, it was a daily practice for me to come to this tree and to study and to try to learn and try to open myself and try to do what I needed to do to get ahead in life. It was maybe something I didn't even think about that much. It was just a tree that I like to sit under and read. But it's still there, you know. And um, we can be like that tree because we have a strong root even if you don't have a strong root in being raised in a church or whatever there is a root in you there's a root in all of us that longs to know what it means to be human and longs to be something greater than the sum of our dna and when you can find that when you can find that thing that hopes when it's hopeless when you can find that light in the darkness you know, that's the flicker. That's the flashlight in the dark, as Gene Roddenberry called God. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's 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 what that is. And, and you'll find it. You'll find your roots that maybe somewhere you just don't even expect. But uh, but look for it and hang on to it. You will grow. It takes time, but you will grow. And you uh, yeah. You might have to root around for it a little bit. Ah, right, right. Yes, absolutely. You might have to till the soil. Um, that's very true. But I just, I just found that so moving and so profound and so beautiful, that whole theme in this episode. Because one of the things, um, again, uh, watching, um, watching the, the Ready Room for this episode, uh, they had on Jonathan Frakes. I mean, if you gosh, if you can watch it, go watch it. Jonathan Frakes is great, but they also had Bowie Kim and Erica Lippold, who were two of the, the chief writers, the two chief writers for this episode. And um, one of the things that Erica talked about was that they had been looking through, through this episode and through this, um, and really through the season so far, is, uh, um, let me look up her exact words, uh, how does disconnectedness affect us? And boy, aren't we in a time of disconnectedness? Amen. I mean, not just, not just like pandemic conditions, right? Mm-hmm. But even when we were going out and seeing each other in the real world, how disconnected are we? How disconnected were we? You know, when we were talking about the people on the internet, I mean, the reason they get so angry on the internet is because they can and because it makes them feel powerful because there's mm-hmm. nobody there who's real to shout back at them. And if they do shout back at them, it's energizing and they can get into a fight and they feel all tough because you can't hurt me with words and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which you can, by the way, but still. Yeah. Um, but we're so disconnected. And so the fact that Star Trek is now exploring that question, how does disconnectedness affect us? I think is really important because Star Trek has always been about connection and it's always been about community and, um, and so whenever it's challenged, I think we find, uh, we can really find some, some fodder for hope. Yeah. Um, so I, I see in that, I see in that tree and everything and, and everything they're doing, they're, they're looking for connection I'm looking for connection for three episodes. <laughs> yeah. And in this episode, I feel like we're starting to really starting to find it uh, together as a group, but we got some growing to do, but that's okay. Yeah, well said. <laughs> this is the couldn't, part where you jump in with something, Tim. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> uh, 
don't you have anything <laughs> I, I don't i'm sorry oh man i'm just uh, sort of basking in the in the wisdom oh shucks sir um and then there's this great moment at the toward the end of the episode where michael says if things were easy and book finishes her sentence they wouldn't be worth it and um yeah that's about right that's about right uh, none of this is easy it's never going to be easy but uh if you can embrace the uneasiness knowing that you know you're held in a hand that will not let you fall uh you'll make it you'll be okay it'll be worth it because it's not easy And cake is eternal. The cake is a lie. <laughs> no cake is eternal. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, I understood that reference. It's not Portal. It's Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a it's a knee-jerk reflex at this point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> uh, cake is eternal, yeah. So what else What else did you notice in this episode that you think is worth discussing? How, how are we on time and all that stuff? Um, well, we're about five minutes over our half-hour allotment. Okay, all right. Well, we'll have some editing I'll do. Okay. All right. I did find one Easter egg in this episode. Oh, okay. Okay. Bring okay. it. I, I, I'm pretty sure about this. Are you ready? Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Now I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Displacement activated spore hub drive. Now, when Stamets is explaining to Adira all the, all the things, he unveils all their secrets and he says, it's called the displacement activated spore hub drive, but nobody, nobody calls it that. Displacement activated spore hub drive. Dash, Dash. D. Uh, As in NCC 1701 Dash, Dash D. D. Come on. Clever. No, Come that on. was cool. That's gotta be. That's, That's funny. Be. Yeah, no, Beth turned to me uh, when we were watching that and she was like, dashed? Oh, really? Yeah, she yeah. didn't She didn't take it. She almost got there. Yeah, almost. She, she came closer than I did. I was like, wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> but that, I was, I guess we were both distracted at that scene where like he barely knows her and he's just yeah. spilling everything. Yeah. Like so much for that whole secrecy thing Saru was talking about like one scene earlier. Right. What's well, the 32nd century? Well, and he's he's figured out that there's something else going on um, with uh, with Adira. Which, by the way, what do you think of Adira? Uh, the jury's still out. Really? Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, it definitely helped at the end there to reveal that they're a trill. That's, yes. And, I mean, that opens up some more questions, like... Mm -hmm. Were there no trills around mm -hmm, at Discovery's mm -hmm. initial time? Um, well, that's the thing. They, they they talk about it that the only reason they know what a trill is is the sphere data. Like they had kind of vaguely heard of them here and there or whatever, but they didn't mm -hmm. even know that they took on hosts. Right, but I I seem to be have been under the impression that trill were around. They might have been around. At that time. They might have existed, but but the, the I guess they weren't part of the Federation. Yeah, the Federation didn't know about them, not well, until obviously they were around. Obviously, but you know, because in TNG, 
that trill episode in TNG was the first <laughs> trill episode that introduced the species and they were kind of mysterious then. So they're a very new thing in terms of like 24th century um, Federation understanding, but in 32nd century, you know, not only mm-hmm. are the trill known, but they can have human uh, hosts apparently. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I seem to recall the the couple of times they've tried that in other Star Trek episodes. I think they tried it once in TNG mm-hmm. uh, with Riker taking the host temporarily, and yes, then right. I want to say in DS Nine at some point the Dax symbiote was inserted into a human. Yeah, yeah. But I could be wrong. Yeah. There was something like that. I do remember. But I definitely remember the one with Riker, for sure. I think part of what kind of snagged me for a second was um, uh, Beth turns to me uh, once Adira is starts, you know, being super knowledgeable with everything. She's like, Beth turns to me and she's like, I think we have our new Wesley. Oh, Oh, that was the wrong thing to say <laughs> for you. <laughs> well, I've, you know, I've come around on Wesley. You, you have, you have, but you still, I mean, I know, you know, especially early on, he's not your favorite, but yeah, well, you know, I mean, sort of, definitely it's the whiz kid for sure. Mm-hmm. But but the the reasoning for that is, is now because of the. Yeah, because the of the trail symbiote and because nerdy kid in the 32nd century i mean come on yeah you know <laughs> and, and i just want to clarify in case will wheaton ever happens to listen to our podcast i don't yes. hate wesley now no. i loved him and then i got on the um bandwagon of oh wesley saves the day yeah. and then i came back around and i love wesley again well good i love wesley too and i love will wheaton like i had a sweater when i was in Gosh, when did when was well, how old was I when TNG was around junior high? El- no, it started in '87, so I would have been in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, uh, we we would have been in elementary school. I had a sweater that was gray and had a blue shoulder run mm-hmm. and a red um, a red stripe around that little shoulder run, and it had a a triangle baseball patch on it. But I called that sweater my Wesley Crusher Wesley Crusher sweater because the the this the way it looked and the color and everything I, I would definitely put that sh- that sweater on and pretend I was Wesley Crusher. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. So I've come through. I've come a full three sixty, not just one eighty, <laughs> three sixty, back where I started. Right, right. That's awesome. See, I I never had anything like that when I was growing up. Never had any, you know stuff quite that cool where i could be i think there were a couple of shirts that i was like well i can think of this as a starfleet uniform shirt Uh sort of you know if i squint right um but i have a shirt now that just i mean just straight up i mean it's ribbed but it straight up looks like a tos tunic and my halloween costume one year was to print up a science badge from uh tos and just (laughs) tape it on to the spot with with packing tape that was my costume (laughs) (laughs) And it was so um, funny because my son, he was pretty little at the time. And he came up to me and he just looked at me and says, you look like Captain Kirk. <laughs> and I was like, oh. well, actually Spock because Kirk's in command. But, oh, you're so great. Thank you. You're brilliant. You know? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure I've got around very accessible my uh, a picture, a Polaroid of me in my sixth grade uh, costume 
that my mom had sewn for me a, oh. a first season TNG uniform. That's awesome. I love that to, thing. We're going to have to get that picture and put it on. Yeah, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, this is going to launch our Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. So the thing that we've kind of settled in on and sort of been talking about in this episode, I, one of the things we've talked about more than one thing, but one of the things that resonates to me is um, loving our neighbors, you know, and you made that great point about turning an enemy into a neighbor. Um, and there are a couple of deep space nine. There are a couple of star Trek episodes, one from the original series and one from deep space nine that deal particularly with the kinds of things, you know, we talked about that, that scene in Discovery where you had a, a black woman and a white man and the thing that they recognize about each other that, sh that, that surprises them and brings them together is that they're both human. Right. And that, that those sort of masks that we put on each other really of our race and our gender and things just don't even occur to them at all. And, um, and so these two episodes kind of deal with, um, well, race specifically, um, but they but they deal with um, othering and and particularly we we deal with othering and enemies in this uh, original series episode. Let that be your last battlefield, which you have recently screened, sir. I did. Uh, watched it just today in order to um, be uh, current on it for the uh, for our, our recording. And um, yeah, it was it was it was a treat. The um, it was it's always fun after watching something as um, technologically advanced as Discovery in terms of its um, CGI and effects and everything, and then to go back to TOS. Yes, yes. Where they're like half of his body is painted black, the other half is white, and they're like, "This is such a strange being." Right, right, and it's very on the nose, isn't it? I mean the the black on the left, black on the right. I mean, it's, it's very on the nose. Mm -hmm. It's, it's definitely cultivated to sort of get past sensors, but it's, it's just not far off the mark. Right. You know, um, I told a story in, you know, the reason I didn't review the episodes, I've seen it a few times and, uh, <laughs> and I talked about it in uh, maybe my favorite chapter of the book. One of my very favorite chapters of the book, which is chapter six in the original um, series section um, neighbor uh, what is it <laughs> last battlefields and neighbor love and um, and I talked about the fact that uh, you know I met somebody who was asking the nuns at his catholic school you know about what was going on when he was seeing race riots on the televisions and stuff and and you know police turning hoses and dogs on you know on average mm -hmm. citizens and uh, and the nuns uh, told him you know some people just don't know their place and um what yeah yeah that's that's what he was told wow. I, and it's just like i mean that's a kick in the chest to think that and that wasn't that long ago right that wasn't that long ago and uh, but he told the story of then later i don't know you know i mean the way you tell the story it sounds like it's the same day but i mean then sure. later you know at home watching star trek he saw let that be your last battlefield and that and I, and I said, you know, did, did you get the message? And he was like, oh, yeah, immediately. Like right then and there, that totally, you know, showed me that those that that, that, that view was wrong and, and that, you know, I, I got the message 100%. And, of course, it's a message that was not welcome on television, you know, at that time. Mm -hmm. But Star Trek was able to get it through. And it's weird just how thinly veiled it is, you know. Yeah. 
because it communicates that well to a, I don't know what he was like a 13, 12 year old kid, something like that, you mm-hmm. know, and it communicated that well to him. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, I don't know. How did you, how did you feel about the, about the overall like point and message of the episode? Like, how did you feel about it's, um, you know, where it's narrative thrust took us in terms of what it was saying about, about the enmity between these two people. It was very disheartening how relevant it still is. Mm. Yeah. Because it's not a thing that's gone away. Right. Now, I will say, like, the arc that's come from um, TOS, where you've got the... um, you know, the, the two quote-unquote races to DS9 where a, a black man is writing about a black man as a captain to right. uh, that scene in Discovery that we both loved so much. Yeah. Um, just the arc there, that is so hopeful because you can see the the curvature, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of that arc as, as uh, I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. that paraphrased, my wife pointed out some, she, he paraphrased someone about the, the moral arc of justice. Yeah, there's, the moral, an arc to, there's an arc to the moral universe that bends yes. toward justice. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I, it, it, there's, there, seeing all three of these episodes together is, it was, it was very cool to, to see that. Yeah. To see that progress. And yeah, yeah. And the thing I want to be careful about, and particularly in the context of Star Trek, because I think Star Trek, and, and it's working against this, I think maybe a newer Star Trek, and particularly like, you know, Deep Space Nine forward, okay? Deep Space Nine showed right. a lot of things up about Star Trek. Um, but it, it definitely kind of has, leans a little bit too much on this conceit that humanity progresses as time progresses. Right. Like we've had more years Mm-hmm. you know like it's funny I, there was some movie you know when, when i was a kid in the 80s i remembered people saying come on this is the 80s you know like mm-hmm. you need to get with it it's the 80s and i was watching this movie and somebody said come on it's the 70s and i thought that was so funny you know and now of course because because who would think the 70s were modern it's the 80s i mean that's ridiculous right i mean to a kid right and 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 now looking back on that it's like well who thinks any decade you know, gives you, uh, you know, it means something in and of itself that somehow we should be more progressed because this is the 90s. This is the, you know, the 2010s, whatever it is, right? Well, um, I think that speaks to hope, doesn't it? That it, we, we it hope does. that we've gotten better by then. Well, exactly. I mean, you would say like a lot of people, you hear a lot of people saying, you know, this stuff happens in, in the media and stuff happens in, in culture and people say, how is this happening in 2020? Mm-hmm. You know, as though we expect the calendar to do the work for us. And that's kind right. of where I want to sort of amend or come alongside that statement from Dr. King, because I don't, I don't think it's wrong that the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice, particularly because I believe in a God who gets what God wants at the end of all things, that, that, mm-hmm. that God is, is about the business of drawing us to God's self mm-hmm. and, 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 um, and bringing forth uh, the fullness of everything that this that our lives in this universe has been to be um but at the same time it you know you can get lazy if you expect the calendar mm-hmm. to do the work for you yeah no that um the let that be your last battlefield they've had 50,000 years mm. to get over this hatred and Bang on. 
all they've done is wipe out their entire planet. Exactly. And when and when uh, Loki and oh my goodness, I forgot the other guy's name. Um, Loki starts, uh, starts with the B. B. I know it's like Bartleby, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. I can't remember him, Bartleby. <laughs> anyway, Berlin, um, Berlin, Barry. Oh my Bob. gosh. Oh, uh, no, we have to look it up. Oh. Uh, uh, no, let's go with Bob. We'll call him Bob. Bob. Loki and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I've known these names forever and I just totally lost it just now. Um, but uh, when they go back to their planet, you know, they, they even still continue. They perpetuate and they, they hunt each other to extinction. Bele. Bele. Um, they do? The other guy. How, how do we know and, they, I don't Well, I don't know that. they hunt each other to extinction, but they don't, they don't stop fighting. Um, is that right? I don't think right? we see don't anything. They... Once, once they beam down to the planet, that's the last we, we hear of them. Uh, I, thought they, I mean, I... We, we presume they're going to continue the. The war. Yeah, but. Okay. Beam down to the planet would be in pursuit. Yeah, okay, that's true. All right. Well, I guess I always just envision them continuing the conflict. Um, maybe they didn't, um, but I, 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 I get the feeling that they, that they continued the conflict. I don't know. I guess I have a little bit of hope that seeing your entire planet in sure. ruins would um, shock some sense into you. One would hope. One would hope. One would hope. And that but is the, the theme of, of Discovery. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, hope is definitely, I think, I think the, you know, as we talked about earlier, I mean, the theme, certainly lately, the theme of the, the, theme of the, um, the season and, and probably the theme of the series uh, is hope. Well, I, I mean, hope is a huge Star Trek idea, mm -hmm. but, um, but that's the thing, you know, when we talk about the arc of the moral universe that bends toward justice, I think a biblical worldview, um, particularly says that we are to be about the business of of doing the bending of 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 bending that arc of of helping to um many people use the term co-creators with god to, to describe humanity you know mm -hmm. um, that we are participants in god's creation we are participants in god's work we are the hands and feet of jesus as they say um mm -hmm. and and that's you know that's that's part of it it doesn't you know, just happen without us yeah that makes me think of uh, that that final scene in uh far beyond the stars where uh benny's having the 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 breakdown right and all of his co-workers mm -hmm. all of these white people in the room like they feel bad for him mm -hmm. you know they hand him his cane as he's on his way out to the hospital but none of them actually step out into any sort of any sort of danger to themselves to mm -hmm. to extend that arc mm -hmm. yeah to, to I, them him doing they're, they're just observers they they stand back and watch him try to do the bending by trying to get his story published mm -hmm. and none of them sure they'll argue with their their boss a little bit but they know nothing's going to come of it yeah yeah, I think I think yeah, I think you might have a point there. Um, uh, I think you might have a point there. Let's but before we get before we get off of uh, uh, let that be your last battlefield though, real quickly. Um, I do want to say that at the end of the episode, um, they uh, they're they're I'm, I'm looking at the transcript. They're they're looking at the thing um, at at this, their sensor readings, and mm -hmm. they said, you know, uh, it's Bailey Captain, and another life form has appeared on Sharon. 
And Uhura says, it doesn't make any sense. Spock says, to expense sense from two mentalities of such extreme viewpoints is not logical. And Sulu yes. says, but their planet's dead. Does it matter which one's right? And Spock says, not to Lokai and Bele. All that matters to them is their hate. And Uhura says, do you suppose that's all they ever had, sir? And Kirk says, no, but that's all they have left. And then warp factor two and they fly off. So mm -hmm. to me, that always felt like they haven't given up the fight. Or at least we're assuming they haven't given up the fight, you know, because mm -hmm. they have nothing left. They have nothing left. And again, that's you know, you know, it's it's what you cultivate, right? Mm -hmm. um, that that's 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 what you have. Uh, you know, we talked in the in the uh, discovery episode about rootedness, right? Where right. you're rooted and, and 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 what seed you plant and all that. Um, but yeah, you have to if if all you do. It can it can overtake you, right? It can completely overtake you. What you were saying about um, hatred and such reminded me of you know the fruits of the spirit. Everyone everyone always likes to talk about the the fruits, the love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there a uh, few past few verses before that, it very clearly outlines you know what's not fruits of the spirit, and mm. included in that is hatred discord, mm. jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Yeah. Boy, that all sounds familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't it, though? Especially when you take in, into consideration that the difference between loci and belly is not just black and white, it's left and right. <laughs> right. Not to, not to put too fine a point on it. Right. But considering when this comes out, we can't. Yeah. Considering, considering the day this drops. Mm -hmm. um you know we're we're either we're 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 in the midst of things right now that are so i mean divisive is a word that's thrown about so much but but so so much in so contentious othering, so othering you know mm -hmm. and um and yeah i think you know we can look at you know you can look at like you say the progress and these three episodes mm -hmm. you know? um, far beyond the stars of course deals with race racial issues much more directly right i mean we take we take uh ben cisco we put him in the life of benny russell in the 1950s you know mm -hmm. and he directly experiences racism while casey hunter um and and the other women around him also experience sexism mm -hmm. um and and then we you know and then we see that kind of you know at least at least on some level you know seem to have sort of evaporated by discovery and like you said that's a that's a very hopeful picture you know and it's one i think mm -hmm. we should have that hopeful picture um just like you're you're saying how how last battlefield rings so true um far beyond the stars rings true as well but it's weird because like in Star Trek, we so often will talk about like an alien conflict and then that sort of lays over into an earthbound conflict. But in this case, you know, very, in, in a very rare instance, really, we're going to a specific time, a specific place. We're talking about a specific thing in American history and life and culture. And yet we view it with Star Trek eyes because it's about something more it's about it's about ben cisco 
right, in his life. And so we can extrapolate out from it, I think, not just to the, to the um, racial injustices that continue, the racial divisions, divisions that continue, but the other ways in which we um, fear and harm and um, persecute other people for being different in today's world. You, I mean, you talked about the fear. And to me, I keep coming back to like, you know, there's, there's this talk of this nebulous we, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, for me, I keep coming back to I, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. There's, uh, I, was, I was reading through some, some stuff uh, several months ago and I came across uh, Martin Luther King's Jr. I've been to the mountaintop speech where he's, um, he's examining the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? We, we were talking about this the other day, I think. Um, and he, he's talking about, he, he's looking at uh, the, the religious leaders that didn't stop to help, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read from it a little bit here because, sure. um, but I'm going to tell so he's, he's saying, um, he's talking about why they didn't stop. And, you know, he goes over all the, the, the sort of reasons that we kind of tend to extrapolate onto them. But then he goes on, but I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that those men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. I remember when Mrs. King and I were first in Jerusalem. We rented a car and drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got on that, as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this as the setting for his parable. Hmm. It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You start out in Jerusalem, which is about 1,200 miles, or rather 1,200 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, 15 or 20 minutes later, you're about 22 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the Bloody Pass. And you know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking and he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there, lure them there for a quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Yeah. But then the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Yeah. Yeah. Bang on. I love that. I absolutely love that. And, and it goes right to what you were saying about that scene when everybody's just kind of standing there and not knowing what to say, like, yeah, they hand him his cane and whatever. And, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a paralysis in the room, even among people who care to do something. And Benny does care to do something. He cares to step out and say something and he stands up. Right. Um, and he pays the price for it. I mean, he pays it hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody else in the room is like, ah, you know. <laughs> I might I, lose know. my job. I, yeah, you know, I, might... I, gotta, I, gotta, I got bills too, man. I got a family, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I value my, my physical safety, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's risky. And Benny Russell is the one who's, who's willing to step out and take that risk. 
Um, is he? I mean, I mean, yes. He, obviously, he's willing, but I just wonder. He, I feel like he doesn't have as much of a choice as yes the observers do. Absolutely, absolutely. He's, you, he, he, and I love the way Avery plays this role too, because it's everything is so deep in him. You know, it just comes from his core, mm -hmm. and you can see. You can see that that the wall that Benny has built up, built up, to protect himself, to survive, to get by, just crumbling, and everything is coming out. And I keep, I keep coming back to that line that um, that uh, Douglas Paps, the 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 character played by Rene Bourgeois, um, the publisher mm -hmm. or the editor, whatever, um, um, says, "It's just a photo, Benny. You know, yeah. it's just a photo." saying that Benny needs to sleep late on the day, the same day that Casey Hunter needs to sleep late so that people don't know mm -hmm. she's a woman. By the way, a little nod to DC Fontana there, Dorothy Fontana. Um, ah, nice. Yeah, right? So, I mean, you know, that's why she was DC Fontana because early in her career, she did kind of play huh. coy with the fact that she was a woman. Did um, not know that. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, in person, people knew that. I mean, it's the same kind of sure, thing sure. As, as on the... On the mm -hmm. But, you know, and... and, and uh, and perhaps kind of writes it off too, where he's just like, you know, the public is just going to have to do without their uh, amazing stories or, or whatever it is um, mm -hmm. this, this week. And it's just, it's, it's not just a photo, right? It's right. not just a story. You know, why, why, why is Benny Russell fighting so hard, you know, for a story in a magazine? I mean, a magazine, it, 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 it's out this week. It's forgotten maybe two weeks from now, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, I know this as a writer, it's like wherever you can find to put your voice out there, it's your voice, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you treasure and you work hard on what you put out. And, and it's not, it's not just a story. It's, it's about his essential humanity. Mm -hmm. It's about the, the death by a thousand cuts. It's about all these tiny things, you know, this, this little concession here, that little concession there, it's just a seat on a bus. It's just a water fountain. It's just a sandwich at a, at a, at a deli. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that it's not, it's not just that there's so much more. And if it really is, as Pabst says, just a photo, then why is Pabst so worried about Benny not showing up? Right. You know, it's certainly, it's clearly not just a show, just a photo to Pabst, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's, it's those little things all together, you know, people can get kind of out of sorts and be like, well, why are people getting upset about these little things about words you use and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, ways things are portrayed and whatever, why are we, you know, people are so, people are so touchy, you know? Right. But the fact of the matter is that those little habits of being, they shape how we live every single day of our lives. Mm -hmm. And when you are the person who is constantly having to hide yourself in all those little ways, constantly having to accommodate yourself in all those little ways, constantly having to accept the scorn of others and the judgment of others in all those little ways, every single day of your life. None of those things are little because mm -hmm. all, they all come together to form one big thing. As my therapist has helped me to understand recently, trauma 
is too much for too long. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And too much can come a little bit at a time. It can, you know, of course it can come a whole lot in one little instant, but yes. it can also come a little bit at a time for a decades. Time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's, it's a fresh wound every time. I read a quotation not long ago um, by Ursula K. Le Guin from her book, mm. The Lathe of Heaven. Mm -hmm. Love doesn't just sit there like a stone. It has to be made like bread, remade all the time, made new. And I think that's such a beautiful idea that um, like, you know, scriptures talk about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I, I like to talk about the fact that our, our minds being renewed is a constant process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a renewal toward love. And I think, I think that's what's going on, what she's talking about there. And the reason that the bread has to be made, you know, the, the reason it has to be constantly remade is because we're constantly we're constantly coming up against things that, that attack that love or that we're, we're constantly meeting little pieces of hate, little pieces of hurt. Um, and it's one of the reasons, one of the reasons, because love is active. Love is a verb. It's something you do. It's not just something you feel. Mm -hmm. It's not just something you think. Um, it's a choice that you make and it's, it's an active choice. And so keeping remaking that bread and it's and it's not just within one person's life i think it goes generation to generation and and when you talk about when, when jesus talks about loving your neighbor right um loving your neighbor as yourself um it's that kind of love it's an active love it's an ongoing love and it's a love that sees and hears and understands your neighbor and listens to your neighbor it can mm -hmm. be really easy because when Benny Russell is having his moment there in that office and he's clearing all the stuff off the table, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and, and saying, um, you know, and, and, and saying, uh, you know, wishing never changed a damn thing, you know, mm -hmm. that, that whole uh, moment, I mean, that discomfort that everybody else in the room is feeling, it's off-putting. It's, it's, it's frightening. You want to step away from it. You want to shrink back from it. You want to say, Benny, 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 hold on. You know, he's like, no, I'm done. I'm done holding on. You know, somebody has to say this. Somebody has to show you how fresh and how real this is. And it can be very uncomfortable. And it can be di very difficult to listen to somebody whose pain we don't understand, whose experience we don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, who may be foreign to us, who may be even somebody who we've been taught to judge in one way or another. And to listen, and listen, like I was talking earlier, uh, listen with compassion. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I like, I absolutely agree with you. I, I feel like there's a, a subset that just, it just makes me think of for some people, it's not hard to hear that when you're right next to them. But it is hard to hear someone else tell you that someone else is going through this. You know, like if we're trying to have a conversation with another white person and we're trying to get this across to them, maybe it's harder for them to empathize through our eyes, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
the farther so removed I, you are. Yeah, words. right. Exactly. They're they're being they're they're further removed, and that makes it more difficult for them to accept. I think that the reality. Yeah, and yet that nearness is so frightening because it is confrontational, mm-hmm. and it and it might demand. You know. Um, uh, that old Joan Osborne song, What If God Was One of Us? Oh, I love that song. You no, know, if God had a face, would you want to see it? If seeing mm-hmm. meant you had to believe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what would an encounter with God demand of you? And what does an encounter with the Imago Dei, the image of God in your neighbor, demand of you? Because when you've othered that other person and they look back at you at eyes, which reflect the image of God where you can see them as another child of God. When you can see that the love that they have for their family is real and it's not something that you can dismiss, then it's really hard to tell them that you judge them in some way or that they're wrong in some way. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to do that. It's challenging and it can ask you to question things and to grow and to go in new directions that can be scary, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. Well said. I don't think I can add anything to that. I think we got there. I think that I, worked. I think we did. Yeah. yeah. So we we're, we're starting please, to collect. And please and any anytime share your thoughts with uh, on any of this stuff with us. Oh, please the email do. and all that stuff. I mean, you know, please. We want to hear. Yeah, from my, you. go ahead, hey, Beth. This is addressed to you. Feel free to email the show if you want to. Quit giving me notes and just email the email show. Gospel Trek Podcast at gmail.com. Um, so yeah. we, we're uh, we're collecting, we're starting to collect some questions now. I think we've yep. got about yep. four got on four the deck. Five or we're six. Gonna, and, uh, I don't know. We got a few. <laughs> we've got a handful. So we're going to start working through them. Yep. And uh, this first one comes from a, a listener. Uh, since we're on the topic of uh, Deep Space Nine a bit, do mm-hmm. you think Star Trek missed an opportunity not doing Deep Space Nine crew movies or Voyager movies after the show's ended? Uh, I have puzzled over that many a time because Deep Space Nine has such a definitive ending, especially. Well, and Voyager does too, but they both leave things hanging in the air, right? You know, I mean, we want to know what happens when, when Ben comes back. Uh, at the end of Deep Space Nine, the end of Deep Space Nine, we want to know what happens to the Voyager crew when they get to Earth. the The end of um, Voyager is um, very uh, abrupt. You know, it's like, okay, kids, we're here. You know, yeah, and they live happily ever after. <laughs> they live happily ever after. We don't even see the kids hop out of the car. It's just like, all right, we made it. We arrived. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's some. But then it's like, what story do you tell? Because all of these questions mm-hmm. that are left hanging at the end of these series are, you know, would have long answers. And that's why we have lots of Deep Space Nine and Voyager books. Right. So especially yeah. for the people who love the books, I don't know. When, when DS9 ended, I definitely wanted more. I wanted a yeah. film back in, what when was it? In the early 2000s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted a film, but... I think there's there's nowhere for either Deep Space Nine or Voyager to go in a film as those 
properties, right? Yeah. Like you could take Voyager and you could take out Janeway and and do a film or a series following her. You could do something with uh, some of the other crew as they go through their development within Starfleet back in, in the Alpha Quadrant. But I don't think as Voyager, you could do anything with that or as Deep Space Nine, like Deep Space Nine ended with everybody going their separate ways. Miles mm -hmm. goes off to Earth and, um, you know, obviously Cisco is among the prophets and... Right. You can kind of tie New Space Nine back together in a way because you have Cisco as such a central figure and his mm -hmm. narrative is so important to everything else. Everything else can hinge on his his narrative. Right. And that's kind of, if you um, watch the documentary, What We Left Behind on Deep Space Nine, that's kind of what they talk about when they're, when they're, um, when they're working, uh, when they're breaking season eight um, of Deep Space Nine. They're talking about, well, what would bring everybody back together, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and of course, well, it's Ben. And, right. um, and so, but of course, I think that's been explored in the novels to some degree. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a catalyst there, but Deep Space Nine is involved in such long storytelling. Like what big story can you tell with mm -hmm. Deep Space Nine that would be a two hour movie? Would it kick off a series of movies? And then do you want to, you know, like like the the original crew people have always said that, you know, every time they made a Star Trek movie, they thought it was the last one, mm -hmm. you know, because they just didn't expect to get, they didn't expect it to be successful enough to get another movie. And there's always that question when you're dealing with making movies. It's Well, even with making a series, I mean, Enterprise was canceled early. So mm -hmm. when they were planning to go seven seasons. So, uh, and sorry, go on. I just soapbox. I'm so frustrated with where... Oh, Enterprise ended because it was getting right to I what know. I wanted to see. I know, I know, and they, they were they were doing it anyway. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, we can get on Enterprise another time. But <laughs> uh, and Voyager same way. I mean, it's like yes, I would love to see what happens to them on Earth. I would mm -hmm. love to see Chakotay and uh, and Seven break up. I would love to see. <laughs> Well, clearly Chakotay, they do. I would love to see Chakotay, Chakotay and, and Kathy get together. I mean, that would be awesome. Really? You know? Oh, yes. Chakotay oh and Janeway, I am. I, I totally ship that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. But still, it's like, what's the big story, you know, that's going to draw them out? So I just, I just don't know that it's a thing that could have been done, particularly at the time, because it wasn't terribly long uh later you know voyager ended and then we had a little gap you know a few months and then enterprise started and that was the first time we had one trek on the on the on the television for a while there mm -hmm. what was the first time but it was you know one trek starting without any other trek on the air it felt like we had a gap but it was just a few months just you know from one season to the next <laughs> and and it was a network show and that was when star trek started declining and uh, it just I just don't think, and then, and then the next generation movies weren't doing as well. And it just, I think the feeling was that the market was getting oversaturated with Star Trek, um, which is weird given what's going on in a current context and yet it's right. working. Um, so, you know, I, would it have been a possibility? I don't know. Would it have been narratively necessary? I don't know. It would have been interesting, but I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I think the best way they could have done that at the time mm -hmm. was to kind of like the MCU is doing now, just 
make it an expanded universe. Have the Enterprise stop at Deep Space Nine. Uh, the little Janeway cameo that they had. Just, mm-hmm. just little things to do to tie everything together to Bring give it characters a, a flavor. Yeah, yeah. And you can shift one direction in one movie, one direction in another movie, and it's all toward this big plot. I mean, movies were just weren't made that way back then. Right, right. But that would be cool. Yeah, you're right. There, you solved it. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is always Marvel. So right. someone put me in charge. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, don't do that. That would be no, a bad no, idea. Don't. It would be a terrible idea. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't actually. Hey, now. But anyway, hey. You're not supposed anyway. to agree with me there. You're supposed to say, <laughs> right. no, Tim, like, no, you're a creative brilliant. genius. It would be perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, boy. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you for asking it. And please send us more thoughts, ideas, questions, comments, and hints, allegations, and things left unsaid. We'd love to hear them. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Say that five times fast. (laughs) That's just an old saying of mine. So, Tim, what do we have coming up next week? Well, Kevin, next week. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, we'll cover the fourth episode of Discovery and see what comes up. Yeah, this this is getting to sound familiar, but, you know, it's working out. I'm liking it. This is fun. Um, So I'm excited. I hope everyone will join us in the meantime, please like share comment and subscribe and, uh, and, and rate. And if you're on YouTube, be sure to ring the notification bell and please send us your questions. Gospel according to Star Trek on Twitter and on Facebook or gospel Trek podcast at gmail.com. We would love to discuss your question on the show. Tim, do you have anything else to say to the folks at home? You know, a couple of nights ago, I had a dream that, I had the most perfect, like absolutely perfect. It didn't get any better. The most perfect Star Trek pun. And I can't remember what it was. Well, <laughs> um, that's that's a shame. <laughs> it's it's could... killing me. And you know what's killing me is that I can't come up with a pun to come back to that with. <laughs> So, um, but that's okay. It's that's where we're gonna leave it. We're gonna wrap let that wrap it up for this edition of the Gospel According to Star Trek podcast. We thank you so much for being here, and until next time, I'm Tim Van Orden, and I'm Kevin Sinise, and as Jesus said in John ten ten, live long and prosper. See you next time. <laughs>